Welcome to the Move Forward Podcast with Dr. Kim Moss. We are here to move you forward in the call of God for your life, your career, and your ministry through prophetic insight, practical teaching, and powerful conversations with influential leaders. Never throw away your confidence. It is time to move forward. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Move Forward, Dr. Kim Moss. We are right now in a wonderful summer series. We're in week number five. So if you haven't heard the first four weeks, I just strongly encourage you to go back and listen from the very beginning. I am with my great friend, Dr. Alan Hawkins, and we are talking about the covenant. So today, would you get out your pen and paper, get your Bible ready, and let's get started. Hey, Dr. Hawk, how are you today? So glad to have you with me. Hi, Kim. Always good to be with you. Um, we're having a great time. Yeah, we are. This is so much fun. All right. So we have to go back just a little bit to week four. Let me pull up your slides and uh, you pull up yours on your end so that you know where you're going and you can tell me uh, when to advance the slide. For those of you who are listening, uh, these are going to be placed on YouTube. And so if you would rather watch, you can follow actually by the slide presentation. So I think we're at this slide. Is that right? The promised seed. We are. And, and we'll, what we'll try to do is for the people, cause I'm a listener. So we'll try to uh, go through these as if we are hearers only uh, yes. but, the, but the slides are helpful. And we're, what we're doing, Kim, is we're tracing the covenantal promise of a Savior that runs as a scarlet thread throughout the Scripture, uh, teaching us and telling us where we can find Jesus. And, and that's the centerpiece. Everything, is about, everything about this is that the whole Bible is a book of Jesus. And, and we're finding him and showing him. And along the way, we come across some very interesting topics. We've had a few of those. And, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll blow everyone's mind before the day's over. <laughs> you're going to be controversial again. Do I have to make notes in my show notes and say, be careful at this point, at this minute, at this? No, I'm just kidding. I don't care. Trigger warnings for and... Jesus, people. <laughs> That's right. I love hearing what's on your heart, Dr. Hawkins, and uh, and I like to I like how your mind thinks and how you think through things. So, take it away. Here we go. Well, the core of the thing is that um, the woman has been promised that she will conceive and bear a son, and that her son will deal with the problem. Now, Kim, it's very interesting that when we when we find out about dealing with the problem in the Bible. The first mention of dealing with the problem is not dealing with us as the problem, but it's dealing with the serpent, the one who came and the one who uh, in, inserted him, the lie and brought the problem. And so the woman says, that, or the, the promise says that this seed, 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And in Romans 6:20, the God of peace, I love this language, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And so the one that is going to be crushed by the Savior, uh, it says he'll be crushed under our feet as well. And so with this, yes. the expectation. 
expectation of a savior is permanently established in the mind of mankind. And, um, and Kim, this is going to be an interesting point. I'm going to make a point here. Everyone always wants to know about faith. Well, the, the very first basis for faith in scripture is, is where we are. And yes, we can go on. Um, Hmm. It says that we're, we're, again, we're looking, looking for the seed of the woman. And so that's our next slide. I wanted to say, yeah, I wanted to say something first before we go on to the next slide. Um, I love the, I love the underneath your feet uh, because I think that that is about our authority actually. And, uh, and it seems like I, I can remember in Joshua, it says that uh, no one will be able to stand against you, you know, and uh, and it's really talking about putting things underneath our feet because every place the foot of your the sole of your foot shall tread. I have given you, God says in Joshua, you know, and so the feet are really actually important in scripture. It's all through scripture. And when we come to the time of Jesus, especially in the book of Hebrews, which, you know, is my favorite. It talks about that everything is being put underneath Jesus feet and we don't see everything right now under his feet. But there will come a day when we find everything underneath his feet, which means everything will be in subjection to him. Is that right? It is right, and of course, the basis of this is for uh, us to live not as victims, but yes. as victims. And um, we we have to we have to not have a victim mindset. That's right. And and um, so, if we're as we're searching this, then we will say, well, what happened to the seed of the woman? What what ultimately happens in the story? And here we are. By the way, we're in we're in our fifth. Are we in our fifth one? <laughs> and, we are fifth, and, week five. And, and we're in Genesis two, Kim. <laughs> We've got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be ten weeks. It may be twelve. That's okay. <laughs> I don't think so. Now, Adam, Genesis one or two, one and two, knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, and and said, "I have acquired." a man from the Lord. She bore again, and this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now this is going to be fascinating. First of all, um, well, let's just keep going because we'll we'll see it on the next slide. His name means acquired. Acquired. Cain. Remember the text said, she, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Now, the woman has been given a promise. That promise is that her offspring is going to crush the, the head of the serpent. And now she names her son, I have gotten him. Hmm. That's In other words, did Eve think she had the promise? That's the question. Uh, as the seed of the woman, is this the one who will crush the head of the serpent? And I think that if we can read into the text a little, we can see it. Now, again, Cain is a tiller of the ground and Abel is a keeper of the sheep. So that's a that's an interesting thing that's said for us. And the outcome of it is absolutely fascinating. And so we asked, uh, so so there comes a time, Kim, when, when it says at the time of the offering, 
what do they bring? They bring what they had. So, so Cain brings um, an offering from the ground, and Abel brings an offering from the flock. And then the Lord had respect for Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. That's and, always and been confusing. <laughs> I think that's always been that's always been a, a difficult passage. And I think that there's it's been difficult, not just for me, although uh, after studying, I know a little bit more. But but I think that people read that and and if they if they don't know how to get further than this, they say, well, Lord, that's mean. You know, that's not fair. That's that's like an injustice right there. And we know that the Lord doesn't deal in injustices, right? But but it seems that way on the surface. Well, um, as we as we unpack it, it's 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 pretty interesting. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try to work at this um, in a quicker way than I normally do when I go through this in teaching. But the but the bottom line is um, what what Cain did was not pleasing to the Lord and what Abel did was pleasing to the Lord. And we know you love the book of Hebrews. Yes. Without faith, it is impossible to um, please God. Oh. All right. So, so what I'm going to say is that I think it's obvious in the text are obvious. <laughs> it's obvious to me at, at this point in the day. <laughs> yeah. So, so that Cain's offering was not a faith offering, and Abel's offering was a faith offering, and the mm -hmm. question is why. Yes. And and what people do is they 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 do all kinds of twisting with this thing. Yes. And they talk about an attitude of faith. And Kim, I'm going to be really a problem right now. There's no attitude of faith. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> the attitude is not the issue. The action is the issue. It's right. Because if you believe something, you act on it because belief actions always follow what you believe about something. Okay. So what does Cain believe? First of all, he believes he's the entitled son. Mama has a promise and I'm the answer to the promise. Uh -huh. Thus, I can bring whatever I want to bring. I can bring what I have. And he had what he had came from the ground. Now, Kim, if you remember when we were studying that, it was a very strange thing. The Lord had cursed the ground. Right. And, That's right. And the Lord had rejected the covering from the fruit of the ground that his parents had used to hide their nakedness when they sin. Oh, so that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And, and instead he covered them with, like you said, fur, <laughs> yeah. fur instead of foliage. That's what you said. That one, that one week. <laughs> he used fur instead and, of foliage. That's right. Yes. And, and so, Basically, what I'm suggesting is that Cain's offering was um, presumptive mm. of who he was and what he had. And it was not based on 
what had been revealed. And what had been revealed was God had rejected that which came from the earth and he had accepted a blood sacrifice. Oh, that's so good. And Abel's that's offering so represents the first blood sacrifice offered by man to God. Well, so I, and I'm saying Abel learned this. Um, he learned this. He's also, they're being raised listening to the story of the parents. And yeah. Abel learned this uh, from the story that when, when we covered ourselves, God, God said no. But when we allowed God to cover us with the skin of an animal, when we saw that death, and I'm suggesting that, that Abel understood the, the value of blood sacrifice and brought a blood sacrifice. This is very offensive, by, by the way, Kim, to lots of theological thinkers. And I don't much care. Uh, for uh, one thing, you, <laughs> I want to go yeah. back the, in your slide before we go back to where did Abel learn this and finish that up. You you say on your slide, and I think this is really important for people to hear. You say the key issue is what is faith, and faith is always a response to God. I learned that from you many years ago, and I have and I have completely agree. Agreed. And that has become also my answer to what faith is, of course, along with scripture. But you say the Lord makes his heart in ways known and mankind responds. God initiates man responds. I always like to say that that's part of the Imago Dei because he has a responsibility. He's been given. We've been given the ability to respond to what we hear and and see from the Lord. And you say Abel is the first person of faith. And his offering was a response to what God had made known. So, okay, now I'll let you go on. Where did Abel? Well, that was correct. I, I was glad that you pressed in even, even what we gave because, um, yeah, he, so, so in the Bible, by faith, Abel, that's in, you go to the faith chapter, by faith, Abel. This is the first person in the Bible to have faith. And he can only have faith because he, because God had initiated and he's responded. And so what I'm saying is you, you cannot uh, manufacture faith. Yeah. Faith must be based on something that has been revealed. And, mm. and this is, um, uh, by the way, can we have a living God? And, and I say, you look, the scriptures are, are first and foremost for us. But yeah. the reality yeah. is that that people have encounters with God and those encounters constitute opportunities uh, for them to, um, uh, for them to press into what is this that's happened to me? In my case, the Lord spoke to me and, and I'm like pursuing that voice. I wanted to know what that was. And that, and that's how, that's how, the, you know, that's how it comes. And then Kim, uh, why am I why am I saying this? Because like for instance, um, I want people to press into the word, but I want people to press into the Lord Himself. Yes. And I want them to experience the Lord Himself. And so yes. let's let's ask, what is significant about sacrifice? Um yeah. this is um, it was God who initiated sacrifice when Adam sinned. Uh, and 
I say, remember, Adam did not die the day he sinned. The animal did. Um, this is not to say, as people say, well, he died spiritually. Yes, but when he was told he would die, he didn't know what death was until he saw the death of this animal. Oof. And and uh, what we're going to find in Scripture is that blood is always the seal of the covenant. And the, and the reason is because life is there. Life is in the blood. And the, the Bible is obsessed with this idea. You'll find that, by the way, in Leviticus 17. Um, so this is why Abel is said to have brought a more excellent sacrifice. Yeah. And, and, the, and the, that's why we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gift. And through his faith, though he died, uh, yet he speaks. And I, I, just, I never can get over that. Um, by the way, Kim, the name Abel means vapor. Oh. Now, if you want to turn that, it can mean, it can mean breath of God. Yeah. And and some some see it as that, but I think this was a commentary on the brevity of Abel's life. And if you notice, Cain was named in, even in the text. Cain was named um, when he was when he was born. I've gotten a man from the Lord, and so you name him. Uh, um, I've gotten him, and and Abel perhaps is posthumously called Abel. Because we're going to come to what happened because um, Cain is um, Abel is not going to live very long. So what happens is uh, Cain is very upset with God and why? So because he because he got cursed, right? He, he got he was, because he got rejected. He brought a gift. Got rejected. Yep. Gift was he's rejected. Mad. Yeah. He's mad. <laughs> How so dare. God, yeah, so God comes to Cain and he says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Kim, this is an indication that God is saying to Cain, you knew better. Oh. Oh. <laughs> you knew better. Um, if you, and if you, had, so, so again, it was not the attitude in which faith Cain came, even though his attitude was messed up. It was, it was the actual thing he did. In other words, I'm suggesting Cain would have had to have bartered with his brother because he knew he didn't have an acceptable sacrifice. <laughs> Kim, wow. uh, God tells us to offer an acceptable sacrifice, which is us which is our flesh yeah. and blood, which is our living selves. Yeah. Uh, in, in God's economy, uh, vegetation is, is not what he was pursuing. He's pursuing the life. And oh, gosh, that's good. I'm actually saying Cain knew what to do and he rejected it. Now watch what happens because this is the most shocking thing in all the Bible. <laughs> So Cain goes back to his brother and kills him. 
and kills him. And God said, what does the sound of this blood, what is this sound in my ears? The blood of Abel spoke. The shed blood of Abel. Let, let me just, let me make this further. Cain said, if you want blood, I'll give you blood. And he offered his brother. Ooh, oh, wow. That is a new revelation for me. Woo. Yeah. And this is why when we say the blood of Christ speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Yeah. See, and, and God says, what is the sound? This sound calling to me, calling to me. There was a voice in his blood. And by the way, Kim, this is a very powerful uh, tool for every prophetic person. Blood has a voice. Blood has a voice. And this is why this is why it's important for us to, to, to this is why human beings make note of where blood is shed. This is why we put up monuments. This is why we uh, put up memorials. This is why there's flowers on the side of the road where there's been a wreck. Blood has a voice. Blood speaks. And people go to that place and they and they and they listen to the voice. Yes. So so God comes to Cain and he tells him that he's now to be exiled. The, the first exile was the exile of uh, the first exile was the exile of the man and the woman from the garden. And now Cain is going to be exiled. The ground that has been so fruitful for you is not going to respond to you anymore. And, and, and God says, so I'm going to cause you to be a wanderer. You're going to be, you're going to be a, you're going to wander. And Cain says, this can't be. They'll kill me wherever I go. They're going to kill me. And so the Lord put a mark on Cain. And Kim, here's what God was doing for Cain, which is very fascinating and also missed. God was making Cain's mess into his message. Oh, that's, wow. <laughs> yeah. He put a yeah. mark on him. And he says, everywhere you go, this mark is going to say, it's going to protect you. And people are going to say, what is this mark on you? And your message is going to be, you, you know, you killed your brother, but God had mercy on you. The God you're serving had mercy on you. And so the mark of Cain was an evangelistic mark, and he turned him into an evangelist. If, if people want to say, where's, where's the gift of evangelism have its genesis? I'm going to say Cain was the first, was, was called to be the first evangelist in the Bible. Wow. <laughs> you see that's, how my mind works? Big. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's yeah, so it's, it's, a little, it's a little bit crazy. Um, and that mark of protection said that God, basically said that God would take vengeance sevenfold if anyone if anyone uh, harmed him. And so uh, Cain, Kim, this is fantastic. It's, it's crazy. Cain yeah. rejected what God did. He rejected God's mercy. And, and he went ahead and uh, built a city 
The first city in the Bible was built by Cain. That's uh, uh, the great Augustine picked up on this as the city of man versus the city of God. And the line of Cain will forever be known as the city of man. Whereas mm -hmm. the line of the line of Seth, as we come to it, will be um, the, the city of God. And so it says Cain knew his wife. She conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after his son e Enoch. And uh, so God is, is, is uh, exercising patience uh, as the wickedness increases in Cain's family line. And um, Kim, the line of Cain dies out in the flood, which is an interesting thing and takes us yeah. to our next set of, of, um, of teachings. Slides. Takes us into yeah. the covenant with Noah. So isn't this a, isn't this absolutely crazy? <laughs> fascinating, really, very, really fascinating. And uh, because when you, when you see how God works, even from the beginning, you know, we, we always think that, that God's mercy really started with Jesus and, and, you know, maybe a few others, but it started all the way back there. You know, he, he wanted to have mercy on Cain, even though he was a murderer, you know, but he wanted to have mercy on him. He warned him at every point. He gave him he gave him the opportunity to change his life in that way. And um, and and he didn't have to be wiped out with the flood. Yeah, Kim, God was God was uh, trying to be merciful and to spare Cain and yes. and to protect Cain and and Cain would not allow it. We're going to have to race ahead to God's covenant with Noah. So okay, um, this here we are. Is actually, this is actually the beginning of the fifth lesson. Yes. <laughs> and, and the covenant with Noah is about the destruction and preservation of mankind. So what happens next in the Bible is what throws people off. And you can advance us to the line of Cain. Um, because what, what happens next is, is just... It's a it's a fascinating thing. So Kim, chapter four um, is yeah. concludes in Genesis with a, a lineage of Cain, and that and then uh, chapter five gives us a lineage of Seth, which I have to come to that in just a minute. But we already said that Cain built a city, and then we follow his generations for seven generations. And we come to a, a, a man named Lamech. And, and very sadly, Lamech is the one in Scripture who initiates polygamy. This is always a question for people. And let me yes. just make a mention about polygamy. In the Bible, God tolerates and never advocates polygamy. And, and it's one of those things we don't quite understand. But we know that that God's uh, plan and his re revealed and blessed plan is a man and a woman for a lifetime. So it's significant to us when people say, well, what about polygamy? And and the thing we find, I'll say it again, is that God tolerates it. And even in his mighty power works through it, but he never blesses it or endorses it. 
And so it will come onto the scene and it will go off the scene. But here's where it comes in. And then we find that Lamech also commits murder. Seven generations from Cain, Lamech mm. commits murder. He murders a boy. So a boy was a boy mocked Lamech and, and Lamech murdered him. And wow. that's that's significant because then Lamech announces a curse on anyone who will come against himself. So watch the progression of sin. God yeah. in mercy announced a curse if you killed if you killed Cain. And Lamech, in presumption, and you can leave it right there where you are, announces okay. a curse to protect his own evil actions. He, he so, and this is uh, him. What we're going through right now is the yeah. is the sovereign self. We're experiencing the rise of the sovereign self. Kim, we see this everywhere we look. Modern psychology is obsessed with, with the sovereignty of the self. And uh, watch what's happening to our culture. Just one real quick thing, Kim. Yeah. Um, we all know that, that children are being targeted uh, for all kinds of perversion. Yes. And the, the way they're doing this is that they're telling us that children are sovereign enough to know that their that their gender is the wrong gender. Yeah. And so then if you come along and say that's a child and you're harming a child, uh, the 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 ruling narrative is that a child, even in their confusion, is sovereign and a parent is intrusive but external helpers are what we need to protect kids from their parents that's where we're at that's where we're at Ouch. all right let me let, let me hurry along i don't know if you want to comment on that <laughs> what i want to say is that we need to pray now more than ever and we need to speak up about that yeah we, and so we the, need to pray that God brings someone who has the kind of voice that can speak into that, that will, that will begin to break that wide open. Yeah. Yeah. So I mentioned that what happens next, Kim, is people get real confused with the, with yeah. the early chapters of the Bible. And it's, and they also get uh, real thrown off because there's this obsession with genealogy. Well, the, the reason for the obsession is God, God caused the obsession when God said uh, the seed of the woman, the offspring of the woman. So immediately the subject of the Bible is that offspring. So Cain was the subject of it. And then we get a whole chapter of the, of the line of Cain and we see the line devolving. Then we come to the line of Seth because when, when Seth dies, Seth, uh, when, um, when Abel is murdered, Seth is born and the Bible said that Seth was appointed as the heir for Abel. So his name means appointed. Mm. So, so Cain means acquired. Abel means vapor. And Seth means appointed. Oh, that's beautiful. Now, now there's a war going on. And that war, Kim, is between the seed of the 
of, of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And Cain is the first person that is clearly the seed of the serpent because he's listening to the voice of the serpent. We don't have an example of that. The example of that is his actions. His actions are serpentine. All right. Yes, he's put his faith, he's put his faith in in a different word, not the word of the Lord, and what has been revealed by the Lord, and his actions followed that. And so that's how we know. We see the fruit of his faith and uh, by his actions, and that's how we know, right? You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So you're the one that knows. Now, a couple of quick things. Though I'm going to go ahead. Um, yep. So we see that we see that the line of Seth. Seth is appointed as the heir for Abel, and then Seth has a son Enosh who who seeks the Lord. Now, this is a fascinating thing. This is the beginning of revival in the Bible. Is mm-hmm. um, is this son of Seth, of Enosh? And then uh, the seventh son through Seth is named Enoch. And Enoch is the one that we know of that walked with God and was taken and he was not. Yeah. But but there's an interesting thing about Enoch. Enoch mm-hmm. is a man with a, with a special revelation. Kim, there's, there's all kinds of divine revelation that goes on in the line of Seth. In the line of Cain, there's all kinds of... Um, of human sovereignty. But in the line of Seth, there's there's all these experiences of encounters with God. And we cannot live without divine revelation. Yeah. Well, the, the divine revelation of Enoch, see, Enoch had a, had a revelation, I think, of the flood, and he began to walk with God. Mm. And he had, um, and, and then we come to Methuselah, and Methuselah is the one who lived the longest. Hmm. Yes. 969 years. Now, Methuselah signals a change. Um, and l- let me, l- here's what I've given you the antediluvian chronology. And I do this, I don't really have time to do the kind of teaching that I do with it. Note this, when Adam was born, Adam was born with no termination date. And and then he's exiled out of the garden. So inside the garden was, uh, we think was eternal life, actually. And Mm -hmm. then outside the garden, man becomes mortal, but he lives a very long time. Now, what's about to happen in, is that, they're the, so they're living in the antediluvian world. That's the before the flood world. Yeah. And, and you can live almost a thousand years. You can't quite live a thousand years. Um, That's interesting. And, and so the year, th- the, I think the number 1000 becomes significant. I think, frankly, I think yeah. that the hint of why um, the number with a thousand is so significant in the Hebrew mind is because nobody ever made it to a thousand. That's interesting. Yeah. And we have our own markers that we love. And um, when we miss those markers, then that's just out of reach. That was just out of reach. Thousands just out of reach. But Kim, now when the flood comes, suddenly lifespans are going to collapse. And we'll we'll Mm. come to that pretty quickly. Let's go to the next, the covenant with Noah. 
So the name Methuselah means when he goes, it shall come. Mm. A going, he comes. Uh, mm -hmm. Or it also could mean the man of the javelin. And so when you have a javelin, it's a spear, and you throw it a long distance. But it has a termination point. Well, there was something significant about the, the termination point of Methuselah. Uh, Methuselah dies in the year of the flood. Now, then comes Lamech. So there's also a Lamech in the line. This is not the same Lamech we had in the line of Cain. This is Lamech in the line of Seth. And he, and he is to have a son, and he prophesies over the son. And he calls him Noah and says, This one will comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands uh, because, of the ground, uh, because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. Fascinating name. Kim, here's what Noah means. Noah means we're finally going to get rest. Ooh. Noah's name means rest. Rest. Because we haven't had any rest because the ground has been cursed and it's just hard work, hard labor. We've come into a hard time. And Noah gets this prophecy. He's the one that will give us that will give us rest. And then um, we read about Noah and Noah becomes the one um, who um, builds the ark, of course. And he has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And that becomes very significant. Now we're about to enter into a really wild story. As if, it hadn't been wild, <laughs> if it hadn't been wild already. <laughs> this is a wild story for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so things on earth are happening and they're happening. It's, it's getting very rough. And, and uh, this thing is, starts to happen when man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them. The sons of God. Now, Kim, I raised that issue of the sons of God a couple of, was it last week or a week before? And perhaps that it was controversial because I talked about um, the sons of God being the divine counsel. Yep. The yep. sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive and they took as their wives any they chose. And then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide with man forever for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. And the giants were on the earth. And I go ahead and put the word, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them, these were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. This is a <laughs> terrifying passage of scripture. Yes. Uh, let's just one comment before we move on. Um, um, when it says uh, his day shall be 120 years. Kim, I have a little bit of um, I have a little bit of dissent from people who say this is the lifespan that you're supposed to have. Um, I think 120 years was a prophetic 
that was how long the flood was. That was going to be that was going to be when the flood would happen. Could be wrong. I don't really know, but that's I don't want to get stuck on that. But let's talk about the Nephilim and the prelude to the flood. Um, in our the Nephilim in Hebrew, that's our next piece, is uh, means giants. The Nephilim means giants. It's it's Hebrew for giants. Yeah. And then we say, well, who in the world were these sons of God? And uh, in in Genesis six, some people have said, and I've got a bad slide there, but I'll I'll interpret it for the for people. The hearers will get it. Yeah. Uh, they'll get the advantage. There are two ideas of who the sons of God were. There were some who said the sons of God were the line of Seth intermarrying with the line of Cain. And I think that idea has been completely debunked because, frankly, that was there was no question that that would happen. And that was not the thing that, that God said, we have to stop this thing. Uh, the second notion is that they were divine beings intermarrying with women. Now let's go back to our sons of God thing. As we search the scriptures beyond this, Kim, I mentioned last week that the sons of God were, and you can leave it right there, that the sons of God were members of the divine council in Psalm 82, and that God was not pleased with them, and that there was a judgment spoken about them. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of sons of God, uh, so let me say it again. These were other divine beings created even in the same way that mankind as male, man as male and female were created, these are divine image bearers. And there is a conflict now that conflict involves. Uh, we already know this, the serpent, but that, but, but the serpent represents um, a rebellion that has taken place in the sons of God. Yeah. And, and now we have this strange thing that that the um, sons of God are having sexual relations with the daughters of man. And now there's being created this, these giants. And this is one of the mm. things that very controversial in the Bible. Yes. I actually have heard people uh, preach on this topic and, uh, and I've had, I've had uh, very sincere believers ask me if I believe that Nephilim still walk the earth and that they believe that. And that, and that one, one person actually told me that they believed that, uh, that the, um, you know, in North Idaho, we have the big hairy thing that walks through the, what, <laughs> what, you know, what am I talking about? What's his Big name? Foot. It's Bigfoot. Yeah. Bigfoot. That Bigfoot is actually a Nephilim. And uh, I've heard all kinds of things like that, but I love that. No, they, they uh, were, they, they experienced the flood. So anyway, go ahead. <laughs> that interesting. Okay. The, the problem and, this, is and the sons of God, the sons of God here is not, is not the same as the sons of God that Paul mentions in the book of Romans chapter eight. No, that's children of God. Yes. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so we become sons of God by being born of his spirit. But yes. this expression, sons of God, is a Hebrew expression that was re relating to other divine 
beings. Yes. And Peter, Peter is referencing this and probably is referencing um, some ideas from First Enoch. The book of First Enoch has become almost uh, canonical scripture for um, a lot of a lot of Christians. I would recommend anybody that's that's taken away fascinated with First Enoch to go and uh, listen to some of the podcasts by Michael Heiser. Um, Michael Heiser can unpack this better than we're going to be able to do here. <clears throat> but we get some references to the fact that the book of First Enoch was known by some of the biblical writers and quoted by them. Oh. So in 1 Peter 3.18, we read that Christ also suffered for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. So this mm -hmm. is saying that there's a reference here to those beings that were that were disobedient here in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few that is eight persons were brought safely through the water and mm. so that's Peter uh, telling us about it and then we read in second Peter for if God did not spare the angels when they sinned but cast them into hell mm. and the word there is Tartarus and Kim this is the only time the word Tartarus is used in the New Testament. Oh. So remember we talked about there's three words. You, you go to Hades, the place of the dead. You go to Gehenna, the place of fire. Or you go to Tartarus. And I think this is the place being referenced by, uh, about the spirits in prison. Mm. And by the way, um, according to First Enoch, Demon spirits are the spirits of dead Nephilim. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and this may That's be a reference. Hmm. Committed them to change of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought the uh a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And then Jude also references this for the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority or their own dominion domain, but left their proper dwelling. He has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. So this is again, a reference to the ultimate judgment that will come upon these rebellious um, spirits. Pretty fascinating stuff here. Now, really fascinating. We're kind of, we're going to be pressed for time, aren't we? Uh, no, we're doing good, actually. We're fine. All right. So when we come to God's covenant with Noah, because, you know, God's about to do a thing. This thing is going on on the earth and God's not pleased with it. He says, I'm going to change it. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and every intent and thought of his heart was only evil continuously. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I'll blot man out whom I've created from the face of the land and from man to animals to creeping things and to birds in the sky for I'm sorry that I have made them. This is a phenomenal Hebraic oh. text. 
So sad. But I, you know, and so. So, <laughs> but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, Kim, favor yeah. in the eyes of the Lord is a subject that goes all the way through the Bible. Now, Noah is the is the object of God's favor. God's favor does not mean that he likes you better than anyone else. <laughs> God's favor means he's chosen you. Mm. And, and so these are the records of the generations of Noah. He was a righteous man. I love this because, Kim, uh, Christians are all times when they say, well, there's none righteous, no, not one. What are they talking about? And what we do is we what we say is that um, sin uh, makes you unrighteous. And yes, there's some truth to that. But I want to I want to just put, point this out. Righteousness in the Bible speaks of a man with a relationship with God. It does not speak mm. to a man with a spotless record. That's beautiful. Say it again. Righteousness in the Bible speaks of a relationship to God. It does not speak of spotlessness. Even though this says blameless in his time, Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Noah walked with God. He had a relationship with God. To be blameless is to listen to the voice of God. It's to obey his voice. And, and Kim, this goes all the way back to the garden. Adam didn't listen to the voice of God. Adam listened to the voice of the serpent. Now, now Noah is, have, is walking with God. And this is, this is the spirit of prophecy. And so then we come to, uh, God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm about to destroy the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood and uh, you shall... You shall cover it inside and outside with pitch. Go ahead. And, okay. and then I skip to verse 18. But I will establish my covenant. Very interesting. Um, this is, I think this is the first mention of the word covenant. Mm. So we've already said that covenant is already made because covenant is God's family. So God says, I'm going to establish my covenant with you and you'll enter the ark. So what's about to happen? The Noah family is going to be the God family and God is going to take this Noah family and he's going to restart the project of, of, of planet earth. You and your sons and your uh, wife and your son's wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, and this is where we get the word about um, bringing the animals into the ark to preserve them. And then uh, we come to, the, then we advance the whole ball. I go very quick. <laughs> Say, look what I did. I took you right past the flood. Because, Kim, for our yeah. covenant purposes, the flood destroyed everything on the earth. And then... Um, Noah comes out of the ark and it says, Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a smoothing aroma. And the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. 
So this is the mm. Lord taking his own oath. And Kim, notice he, 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 he removed the curse from the ground. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Yeah. Beautiful. Right. He reversed he, that curse. He did. And then we go to verse 22, and there's this uh, poetic promise. While the earth remains, winter and summer, day and night, shall not cease. And then it says, and, and so God blessed Noah. Verse 3, go ahead. Um, it said, so, so God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Did I, did you go past, go back one? I did. I'm sorry. Yeah. I did that to you. I, I That's okay. You. Um, <laughs> be fruitful and, and multiply. Yeah. Be fruitful and multiply. We're back to the original, the original blessing. And yes. The fear of you, the dread of you shall be on every beast on the earth and every bird of the air and all that moves on the earth and on all the fish of the sea. They're given into your hands and every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And I have given you all things, even the green herbs. And so <clears throat> this is pretty interesting because this is the, this, this is the restating of the blessing. And then God gives man animals to eat. Yeah. That's what's said here. And then verse four, but you, but you shall not, but you shall not eat the flesh with its life in it. That is its blood. Now, Kim, this predates the law of Moses. Yeah. So, so God, God is very interested in blood. Surely for your life blood, I'll demand a reckoning from the hand of every beast. I'll require it. And from the hand of every man and from the hand of every man's brother, I'll require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed for in the image of God, he made man. As for you, be fruitful and multiply and bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply it. Now, Kim, there's a couple things that are really important Ooh. in this verse. Well, yeah. one is that you cannot you cannot authoritatively say that when man sinned, he lost the image of God. Because here, not only after the ex being expelled from the garden, but after being expelled from the antediluvian world, they're still called imagers of God. And because they're imagers of God, then their the, the, then their death will be avenged, a life for a life. So this yeah. is interesting. And then this is also probably, this is the passage upon which most uh, Christians believe that capital punishment is appropriate. Yes. And uh, people can make another case of that based on further revelation after we come to Christ. But here, it's it's very, very clear that this is this is what's appropriate. And um, how much time do we have so I can probably we have 15, 15 minutes. Oh wow, we're doing good. Yeah. We are. Okay. We're doing great. Yeah. So let's look at life after the flood. Uh, real quick. Uh, the terror of mankind comes upon creation. So Again, like a, like an environmentalist and a true environmentalists are not that crazy about human life because human life is dominant and has dominated everything. And frankly, is a, a environmentalists will say is ruining everything. And yeah. there's some truth in it. It's not it's not all a lie. But but here this says the terror of mankind. So whatever creatures were on the earth 
all of them came to fear the human. Mm. Because the human is able to dominate. And then for the first time, animals are allowed by God as food. This is the first time. And again, I say, remember Abel. So Abel made a sacrifice, but that sacrifice was not allowed for food. Mm. And, and now it is. Um, and the, the blood is still very, very significant. Um, the original intention of God for man to be fruitful is renewed and the sanctity of human life is reestablished. So these mm. are the things that, that are about the flood. Um, I don't know if you have any, anything you want to input on this. Well, I think the thing that the only thing that I would add is that when we talk about the environmentalists and that kind of thing, is that uh, when God asked us to have dominion over all the earth and everything, it didn't mean just to use it all up and be consumers in that sort of way. There would be consumption, of course, and that we should use things uh, for to uh, advance health and and life and all of those kinds of things. But but. Dominion is really about stewarding the things that God has created and representing God on the earth, treating them the way God would. And so I think they have it right in that sort of way and that we need to care about the environment, care about animals, you know, and all of that. There's, of course, things in Leviticus and then the law that talk about treating your animals well, you know, and um, so some of that is is really is really good. However, if we do that, uh, if we do that, then uh, dismissing people and not caring about people and their lives, then we have gone way too far and we've gone far beyond what God has asked of us. And that's all and I that want to say about that. And we live in that tension. That is a tension. Yeah, we that, do. Yeah. And Christians should be more wise rather than just being insistent on our way. Kim, I want you to advance to, to Genesis 9, 16, just so I won't um, lose track of the time. All right. So after the flood, a rainbow, the rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all fleshes on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established but between me and all flesh that's on the earth. Now let's talk about this just a second. The rainbow okay. shall be cloud and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant. All right, Kim, yes. if you're in the cloud, if you're above the clouds, by the way, again, yeah. if you look down on a rainbow, it's a circle. It's a circle. Unbroken. It, it's an, uh, yes. And, and it's, um, like a foreshadowing of circumcision oh. of God's eternal covenant that marks creation and that God says for, for his servants to mark their physical flesh. Mm. Um, it's a, it's an eternal circle, but from, and let's go ahead to the next slide, but from the earth, the rainbow is a bow. So God set the rainbow in the sky. Um, by the way, there had not been a rainbow before. So yeah. uh, the speculation is that it had never rained before, Kim. Before the flood, yeah. it had never rained. 
So just imagine you, and by the way, one of the remarkable things is almost every ancient civilization on planet earth has a flood story. There are hundreds and hundreds of flood stories that fill the earth. And, and, you know, people say, well, whether what did what does this mean about what the Bible says? Blah blah blah. Uh, well, it means there was a flood, and all humans know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very true. And and think about it, what I always think about, Alan, is the kind of faith that it took for Noah to build a, a, a well. We call it a boat or an ark, you know. But but it had never rained, so it he didn't know rained. about boats floating in water or any of those kinds of things so right. i mean he 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 did something so outrageously crazy really in yes. following the word of the lord you know and and i mean that it's just that's just amazing by by faith he built a boat when it hadn't even rained before and we go back to his name means rest yeah now, he, I, don't go back. Go back. I, I okay. laugh. I laugh because I laugh because he's the he's the man that worked hardest of any man that ever worked on planet Earth. And, and, <laughs> right. And his, name, and his name means rest. But Kim, what happened was, if you were shut up in the ark, yeah. Then when the flood came, the baptism of death came you rested in the ark. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, because the New Testament yeah. does speak of the flood as a baptism. Baptism. And coming through the waters as a baptism. Yes. And baptism always means you died. Death to resurrection. But you came out alive on the other side. Yes, it's the resurrection. So Jesus, when he would have talked about the flood, he would have talked about the resurrection. And these eight souls, these were the ones that were raised from the dead. And Kim, um, Jesus comes out of the grave on the third day, which was also the eighth day. Wow. Because Sabbath, and then it's followed by um, the, the Lord's Day, what we call the Lord's Day or Sunday in our culture, which is also the eighth day, the day of a new beginning. Mm. And these that it's called a new beginning because the number eight is where these souls came out of the flood uh, as a new beginning. Now, I just take a quick note. The bow was a weapon of war, and it was from earth, it's bent towards heaven, which is to yes. say, which is to say, God is going to receive the, the suffering for his creation. Mm. I don't know if that's, mm. I don't know if I can take that too far. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so the sign of the covenant was also for all life, not just human life. And then uh, some lessons from the antediluvian. I'll say it again. Anti means before. Diluvian means flood from before the flood. So there's a major environmental shift that's a consequence of the flood. We already mentioned that this was, the, 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 by the way, that means lifespans after the flood begin to plummet. Yeah. And then 
there's a major environmental shift. There, then there was the, it's the first rainfall in history. And uh, again, the lifespans are shortened. But then it gets really, really crazy. Now, the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Canaan. We get that note from Moses as he's mm. writing. These three sons, um, from these three sons, the whole earth was populated. Now that's like really fascinating. So yeah. Kim, the three great races, and I know that's not scientifically perfect. Yeah. But Shem's descendants uh, populate Europe, the Middle East and Asia. Ham's descendants populate the Middle East and Africa. And Japheth's descendants populate Europe um, and, and also the Middle East. So all of them, radiate from the Middle East. But this is three great races. This is this is the light-skinned people, the dark-skinned people, and the medium-skinned people. And hmm. yes, um, uh, the Shem is, Shem ends up being the race from which the seed of the woman comes, which is fascinating. Let's just look at the map that I've given on that just real quickly. You can, you can see on the map Japheth up at the top and Shem in the uh, desert looking area. And the and then the more yellow looking area is where Ham. This is where the people, this is where their offspring uh, were situated. And then we come to Noah's drunkenness. Are we going to have time to deal with that? Nope. <laughs> no, I think that we should. I think that we should come back with that next week. How about that? Yeah, so I have because, because I that this is too controversial for people to. It's <laughs> controversial, to... right? And I and I want to ask one last question before we before we close this out because I think that um, I have I have seen works and I've heard uh, from other teachers, you know, about this the three men the three sons and the different people groups that come from them and then and then you know that the whole issue of racism so can you talk to that just a little bit whatever comes to your mind about that yeah. but but being being the line the seed line does not mean that um that that they are chosen in a way that damns the other people no, so so we're going to have some major look at that, even even as we begin next week, because okay. it, it always it, it always came up in a bad way. But uh, yeah. so Shem, Ham and Japheth, um, we're going to discover that that Jesus is from the line of Shem. Yeah. Which is interesting. That means he wasn't white and he wasn't black. He was the the in between, if you will. And yeah. the, the, the differences in races, um, the, to be favored, Kim, is not to be favorite. Oh, to good. Be favorite yes. It's not to be favorite. And racism is the idea that, that, that God has a favorite. Yeah. Racism is always the perverted idea that somehow you and your people are God's favorite people over against others exclusively to others 
And that is not true. And as was established when, when, when God simply said, all are bearers of the imago Dei, the image of God. And thus all lives are sacred, equally sacred, um, equally blessed, equally desired of God. That's as simple as I can put it. And, uh, it. Yep, and good. perversion of the good thing that God did when he made us different. Oh, that's beautiful. All right, Dr. Hawk, would you pray for us? Would you close us out and pray for us? And, uh, and then we will see everybody back next week for week six of our summer series. Father, in Jesus' name, we, we want to say that we are like those Greeks who came to the disciples and said, Sirs, we would see Jesus. Mm. And Lord, we want to keep it. We're looking for Jesus in the scriptures. Yeah. We, we see this strange and wonderful thing that you did and this incredible record that we have of the preservation of human life and of Lord, your, your redemption of our lives. And Lord, we are so amazed that you, that you said the seed of the woman, the source of the problem is going to be the source of the blessing. Mm. And now we're looking, <laughs> looking, 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 looking to see how you wove this story into our story. And Lord, it's beautiful. And I pray that you'll open our eyes that we can see that your great intention toward us is your great love for us. Bring restoration. And those who are listening, hearing, restore their souls as they call upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Dr. Hawk. Everybody listening, we will see you back next week. Make sure that you bring pen and paper. I was even taking notes. Look, I was taking notes. I was had to grab something to take notes. And uh, bring your Bible for sure. And, uh, and you can catch the earlier weeks uh, on my podcast, Move Forward, Dr. Kim Moss. You can catch it. You'll be able to catch it on YouTube. And, uh, yeah, so we're week five in 10 weeks, maybe 11 maybe 12. Well, however it goes, we're going to finish this study. So thanks, Dr. Hawk. I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for the Move Forward podcast. We would love for you to rate this podcast and share it with a friend. You can connect with Dr. Kim on social media. For those links and more, visit her website, kimmoss.com. Host Dr. Kim Moss leads Kim Moss Ministries and Women of Our Time. She is the author of Prophetic Community, The Way of the Kingdom, Facing Ziklag, and the four questions. You can find both books on Amazon. Remember, you can throw away your it is time to move forward.